So what we do on Let Us Explain is dive deep on something that we can't stop thinking about for other people who can't stop thinking about that thing too. That means we'll be talking about anything and everything. Sometimes that includes spoilers. But before we jump into the spoiler zone, mm-hmm. let's talk more generally about 1917. I am mm. your co-host, Zachary Shevichin. Joining me, he looks like me, but older. It's Arturo Zurita. How you doing, Zach? I'm excited. This was my last anticipated movie of the year. Uh, granted, Cats hasn't come out yet. But I was very excited for this. I think we all saw it in a big screen, Dolby. I saw mm-hmm. mine in Dolby. Mm-hmm. I don't know what y'all yep. saw yours in. Uh, you need to see this in the biggest screen possible. We're talking about 1917, and we got someone who believes it's going to win Best Picture. <laughs> yes, Fernando. also joining us, doing this whole review in one take. Mm-hmm. It's Fernando. <laughs> Say what up, Fernando? What's up? Uh, best Best Picture, yeah, uh, possibility. Yeah. I guess we'll get we'll get into that uh, in this. Uh, let us explain. But yeah, definitely see this on the biggest screen, IMAX, Dolby, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's going to be worth it. Yes, they're going for an immersive experience here with this movie. Uh, Oscar-winning filmmaker Sam Mendes has made a variety of notable films. His first, American Beauty, won a total of five Oscars, including Best Picture and a Best Director Prize for Mendes. His most successful, probably 2012, Skyfall, the highest-grossing James Bond movie ever, so successful that he was brought back for the not-quite-as-successful Spectre. Mendez's latest effort is 1917, an immersive recreation of World War One, a World War One standoff between mm-hmm. the British and the Germans in northern France. Teaming up here with the extraordinarily talented cinematographer Roger Deakins, 1917 is filmed to look like two long uncut shots. I just mm-hmm. want to point that out. It's, it's true. Like two long yeah, shots. Yeah, it's two long, long shots. Uh, it may remind filmgoers of the Best Picture winning film Birdman or the second half of the film Climax, which came out earlier this year. However, Art, what is it about the way in which 1917 was filmed and presented that separates it for you from uh, other achievements in long take cinema? I'm a connoisseur of long takes. I very much enjoy them. Uh, I'm very biased to them. All the movies that go up there is, uh, I want to make sure I say it right, because I always say it wrong. to... Uh, oh, yeah, Scorsese to... But when we're talking about, like, whole movies being shot in one long take, I keep calling it Veronica, but I know it's Victoria, right? I think I got yes. it right this time. Uh, that's all done in one long take. And, and many times, just the ambition, right? You could... You could see the cameraman breathing, right? If you're going to do the whole long take. Here, as you said, it is broken down into two different ones. It's covering something that, you know, Dunkirk kind of covered not too long ago. But I think it covers it in a way that is just, I, you said it perfectly, immersive. I feel like I'm in there. The The way that the camera moves either from being behind them or in front of them. But it's one of those things where I, I know we say Birdman. But to be honest with you, it was another Chivo movie that I was thinking about a lot, The Revenant. There would be mm. moments where you're just walking over, uh, you know, you're, you're wondering what the characters are going to do to cross over this water. Then they start crossing, and you're like, no, no, no how the camera doing this? Uh, right. I know that a lot of times many people say, uh, you had mentioned the Goodfellas scene, where it really shows you the extravagance of being able to walk into this, in one take, the world of being a mobster and how everybody knows him, and he's going into the Copacabana. But in here... A lot of people are going to argue that it's too showy just for the case of being showy. It's Deacons. I don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) I still think, uh, comparing it to another movie that does a lot of long takes uh, and does a very good job visually, is Columbus. A much smaller movie, but one in where where two characters are talking, you're seeing a divide between them. And the more that they get to know each other as they're walking down, a gate that's open shows you their relationship and how they've 
you know, opened up to each other a bit more. I think this movie does the same thing to a scale that we've never seen before because there was no explosions in Birdman. <laughs> so we talk, we're talking about long take cinema and uh, the idea of a long take or a one as it's sometimes yeah. called, is something that different filmmakers have experimented with. And uh, I think even more so in recent years as Steadicam technology has improved and uh, with th- films like Birdman, films like 1917 even, that have used uh, some computers to stitch together certain shots, it's become increasingly uh, simpler to do that one take. And I- ideally, and so a lot of people are doing this one take and it's not necessarily uh, for a reason. There, there's a movie with Elizabeth Olsen uh, that I remember. In the house, yes. Yeah, it where, where it just didn't feel as necessary. Yep. Uh, Dream house, maybe something like that. Something like uh, that. But you ideally you want the uh, the the one take to be adding to the, your experience of the film. And 100%. I felt like in Birdman, it was a great way to kind of like keep you within the chaos of that environment not yep. give you a break uh that this is taking that to a different extreme because you're escaping gunfire and and running away from explosions so it's that idea of you're you're watching them on this full journey you're not you're not getting a break the way they're not getting a break so yep. there is a justification here i i believe at least for why you would want to watch the story in one take uh, a question I would ask, and I ask this for Fernando as well. Um, did you ever feel, because one of the biggest problems with one takes is like, oh, it's a one take, so we're not going to cut, so we're just going to stay with them. Mm-hmm. Man, it would have been really easy if we would just cut right now. We're going to stay with them. Did you ever feel a scene where you're like, ah, this is a one take, so we're just going to have to walk with them for a bit? Did yeah. you ever feel that at all during the movie, or did it all work perfectly for you? No, it, it all worked perfectly for me, and I I think a big reason for that is the two guys they got to be mm. our eyes and who we who who we follow, um, and comparing yeah comparing this to like Birdman and Victoria, this is like on another level because as uh, you mentioned, agree. those don't have explosions or big <laughs> or stunts you know i think the the scariest Birdman thing in, has one tiny one yeah, yeah. before someone calls the, me out in the comments the action set pieces in this film are, are definitely on a different yeah. level there's yes. no uh, planes diving in front of the, the actors in birdman yeah the, yes sir the scariest scenes in birdman and victoria are like with when there's like crowds of people right and yeah you know they're not even like aware that they're like probably in the movie um but this, like, yeah, the plane, the explosion runs, the the trenches, and just the way that they had to construct everything, where mm-hmm. Birdman and Victoria take place in like little towns and like one location, like this. Yeah, this takes place in exteriors, just complete exteriors, pretty much, and they have to plan everything out. And Deacons, I don't know how the <laughs> hell he does it. At like 80, 80 something. But you, you know, one of those insane things is like, we we're talking about the water ones, right? I don't know yeah. which one did it for you guys where you were like, how? Mm-hmm. Nah, how? <laughs> there was simple things such as mm-hmm. like, you know, when you're trying to take, it is, everyone does this. When you try to take a picture with your cell phone and then you mm-hmm. go outside and it's like, oh, there's too much light in the background. My, whoever Shadow. I'm shooting, it's too dark, right? It's yeah. shadows, whatever else. Or you'll go from, you know, inside to outside and your camera will just, he was doing just simple shots of going out in the bright to the dark, back mm-hmm. to the bright. I was like, ah. How'd you do? Yeah. How'd you do that? Ro- Roger Deakins is seventy, by the way. Let's not yeah, age my man up too much. <laughs> okay, He's got bad. plenty, um, plenty of years to still sorry, give Roger. us this amazing, uh, view, you know. Uh, type of cinematography yeah. the, the amazing shots that he's able to put together uh in, in films like this and many others uh you know you 
uh, Fernando, you complimented the actors, mm -hmm. uh, Dean Charles Chapman and George McKay, mm. who we spend a majority of the film with. We're following. Uh, I while they're both very good, I would say you really got to give it up for the production design of yes. this movie. Yeah. Uh, just the way in which they're able to keep the environments is environments interesting and different and uh, varied in a way that makes it feel like you're not just. Uh, going in circles, but filled in a way that mm -hmm. yes. it feels like full of life. I'm really curious to know how many extras they needed, particularly for some of those trenches shots. Yeah. Uh, they, they're just like stunning uh, just as a feat of technical filmmaking. It's really, really, I, I'm in awe of uh, what they attempted and, and accomplished here in many ways. Uh, although I would say the there are parts of the story that, I didn't necessarily feel were paced quite as well where I did kind of feel like we are sort of just watching them move. We're moving from one scene to the other. Part of me thinks like, do I really need an establishing shot rather than a couple moments of silence with our main two corporals? You know, I don't, I don't know if it's necessarily better one way or the other, but I did feel uh, the sort of, breaks between scenes if you will there were moments where they would okay. transition I feel you. out of out of the bunker and into the open field or, or something like that i'm in the middle between both of you i understand what you're saying um but i agree with you also with that production design thing that's why i brought up uh Kogonata's, uh columbus mm -hmm. like you said if the production design and where they went like you said into the trenches that was their blocking mm -hmm. if they don't hit that in time the camera, the, the, the misses scene, whatever you going to call it, it's not telling the story it's supposed to if they are not within what they need to be, especially when you start dealing with stunts. If they are not standing at the right position, you're, you're screwed. You ruin the entire scene. And when it comes to a one-take, I don't know if you've seen the featurettes of this thing, when it comes to the one-take, if they are not hitting the markers when they need to hit the markers... You're screwed. It's not tape on the floor. It's you got to be there in the trench by this point or else you're done and we got to reset the entire thing. And like you said, how many extras... How many extras you got to reset and redo the makeup of before you get there? Yeah, no, it's right. it's it's honestly one of the one of the biggest uh, technical achievements I would say this year, easily. Yeah. Yeah. The momentum in the story is driven uh, from this main plot which involves two recruits who are enlisted to travel a long distance in a day in order to stop British soldiers from walking into a German trap. Yes. It also tries to ground it in an emotional way by setting up the situation where one of the two recruits has a brother among the soldiers who might die if the attack goes through. So, Fernando, uh, how invested did you feel in the mission throughout the movie? It's crazy how such a simple plot did keep me involved for the whole duration of the time um and i feel that is a credit to mendes and the way he directed it and the way he chose to have certain moments um pop up you know halfway through uh, we'll get into it later but there's a moment that's really pivotal to the story that kind of throws you into like oh like wait where do they go from here scenario um but just the way that the two actors um McKay and what was the other guy's name? I forget his actual name, but Tommen uh, from Tommen. Game of Thrones. <laughs> Tommen. Um, uh, Chapman, Dean Charles Chapman. Dean yeah, Charles Dean Charles Chapman. Chapman. The way that they continue and their chemistry works really well together, um, you can tell that they uh, are friends in in the war together. Um, and, Perfect way to put it. And they bring that up. Um, they bring that up later uh, in the movie. That yeah, they get thrown into this like like they had no idea. 
And that's mm-hmm. one thing they bring up, you know, they're like, I hadn't like, they, someone just told me, get your things and pick someone. And then they get thrown into this. Into <laughs> yeah, this he's like, that crazy. stunned shock that they have to go through. Yeah. Uh, it's like before you even have a chance to process what's happening, mm-hmm. you are on the mission. And I love yeah. how Tobin was like, I'm, I'm sorry, I picked you because I, I thought we were going to get a good journey yeah. or something. He's like, why'd you have to pick me? I didn't know. Hey, look at it this way. You're going to get your award. Yeah, yeah, but I was stuck over here. <laughs> it was funny. You, you're right. It actually felt like they they had known each other prior to the movie starting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And it that helps make it involving in the sense that mm-hmm. like it, there there's that established history that you feel like they have. Uh, there's that dynamic that evolves because they're. Uh, sort of negotiating Mm -hmm. are we really doing this Mm -hmm. in a way Uh, and that you know rather than making them just plain uh, you know blank face soldiers Mm -hmm. in a way it it really does ground it and make you kind of in their shoes in a way especially because for one the mission is a lot more than just we have to save uh, lives of Random British Some soldiers. Some soldiers we don't, we haven't seen right. or don't know. Mm-hmm. For one of them, it's it's a lot more than that. It's about his brother. Right. Um, yep. Just to, and just to like get a little bit in the weeds with mm-hmm. this movie, you know, uh, other films have the benefit of let's go cut away to the other soldiers. Let's show them, you know, uh, make you connect with them yeah, before yeah. they potentially are at risk at death. This is a movie that has to stay in the moment. So uh, making making that familial relationship there is a is a clever trick that they have too yep. to tie you without actually showing you the brother. Um, one of the things that I know we were going to mention and to go along with that and that I think also keeps up the pace is that there's almost checkpoints. You're mm-hmm. right. We don't cut to other people, but we meet other like squadrons or mm-hmm. uh, I don't want to say who they are. But they do a great job of using very well-known actors at certain points of the movie who he kind of checks up with or help him to yeah. the next checkpoint. Genius. Yeah. Did this movie remind you of a video game at all? Yes. Either of you guys? Yes. I I, I did see uh, that that uh, uh, comparison a lot um, as you yeah. know critic screenings were happening and stuff. Um, and art bringing up the using the word checkpoints does give mm-hmm. it that video game annota- that uh, connotation. Um, mm-hmm. I do get it. I personally don't didn't see it as a video game, but I, yeah. I do understand That's how how people not to take away from it, but just the concept of like how you really uh, like a first person yeah, yeah. perspective of right. it as you're following them. Uh, what did you think of the cameos? Because I personally thought it was a genius way of using people we already know, kind of <laughs> like Matt Damon is used to several times in a lot of things, <laughs> yeah. where you don't need to know that they're a trustworthy general. It's it's that guy. <laughs> All right. I know who it is. Because in our screening, uh, by the time you see the guy in the tent, who are you hmm. supposed to tell? The thing too? People laughed. We're like, ah, oh, it's him. I didn't know if that, those are given away in the trailer or not. But a lot uh, of people I, really enjoyed those. I think they're given away in the trailer because when I did a Google image search of 1917, the last famous actor was the first <laughs> thing that came up. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it, that thing you're mentioning where you meet these new squadrons and they're led by these like notable stars of British film and television. Yep. I think, you know, lends this gravitas to those situations. Uh, obviously the first one, I think it's easily, it's fair enough to spoil that Colin Firth mm-hmm. is the first notable actor we see since he yep. gives most of the monologue in the trailer. Yeah. Uh, you know, when he shows up to tell you something, you're like, okay, this is, this is important. I have it's to listen to Colin speech. Firth. Yeah. Let's see what he's got to yeah. say. Um, 
but leading up to it, I also thought the uh, – and I'm curious to see how they do done this because I've seen a lot of stuff dealing with the camera work. I've seen a lot of stuff dealing with the blocking, but I'm very curious how they did a lot of the makeup and stuff. I don't know when we're getting yeah. to spoilers, but I'm going to pause that we'll one We'll get right to spoilers there. in a second. Okay. I, I want to go back to the video game idea for just a second because uh, something that Art had mentioned in our conversations off of air is how the movie has this very smooth and clean cinematography. Uh, I think you had mentioned that like the lens never even gets dirty in the movie, which is like incredible, yes. I, I'll admit. Uh, it's extremely, extremely impressive. Upon reflection, though, I do wonder if that maybe took me out of the movie in some ways. That like that's part of the video game feel. While, while the soldiers are are kind of flailing about and they're desperately trying to shield themselves from gunfire or or Blood run away from explosions, or dust or everything. Yeah, the camera is really calm, and it's this sort of like juxtaposition that I don't know made me feel relaxed. And maybe I should have been feeling. That's tension. interesting. Okay, yeah, I, I can't even argue with you there because I thought the exact same thing, but that's only because I've been so used to a certain cinematographer, <laughs> Lubeski. Yeah. Lubeski does this movie. What did I say? That thing looking like a Pollock painting. Lubeski right. at any point, even if there's no water, would have put water. Yeah, he does it in The Revenant. He does it in uh, Children of Men. Something that he loves to do. You're right. The camera is in like the Grand Rapids during one scene in mm. the water. Never gets wet. Nothing ever comes on screen. And I wonder, again, uh, dealing with the makeup, also that, how much digital things that they take out. I know that there was wires and stuff that you take out, but it's like that was right. impressive. It's curious. It's interesting to hear that to you, it kind of takes away from that because a lot of people don't like things being in front of the camera. Hmm. Right. I, right. But I'm that, curious to I what extent this become, is like j- just taste, you know? Yeah. That's interesting. Fernando? No, it, it worked for me. So it's no. You have it, to pick right now. It's either Chivo or it's uh, <laughs> Deacons. Oh, Deacons. You got to pick right now. I mean, I love Chivo. I mean, Chivo's my you boy. You biased. I'm looking. I'm looking at the flag <laughs> in the back. You're biased. We're moving on. <laughs> okay, so let's open this thing up to 1917 spoilers. If you okay. can't handle the truth or you haven't yet seen the movie, now's your chance to get out and watch a spoiler-free edition of the Intercut Podcast, including our recently published best TV of 2019. So go check that out. Art, about halfway through the movie, the stakes change drastically. I liked it. After a tense scene where a German plane falls out of the sky right in front of us. Again, what a technical achievement most of this movie is. Uh, One of our two central characters is ultimately, again, spoilers, killed, leaving George McKay's character on his own for the rest of the film. What did you think of this moment in the movie and uh, what it did for the rest of 1917? What is it with the Game of Thrones kids not just just walking in a straight line to escape things? Uh, this was the moment that I was telling you, the way that they flushed out his face. Yeah. I I was wondering about that, too, because... Right? W- without... It must have been some digital effect, because that actor oh, goes from looking alive to looking dead by dead. the end of that scene, and there, it's just one long take. Mm-hmm. Incredible. Yeah. Just the, the idea of having that come halfway through, and I was like, oh, man, that sucks. The fact, uh, the way that the movie ends of meeting his brother, which again, I had I had completely forgot he was Toman, and then you get another Game of Thrones actor coming in. Um, but I love how that scene resonates again. Like you said, it ha- happens halfway through the movie, mm-hmm. but at the end, it really comes into play when his brother won't even close his hand because he refuses to close it and accept the fact that his brother died. He's so happy. He was like, where's my brother? Oh, you and my brother. Oh, he's in the same squadron you are. Gone. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought it was a beautiful kind of a, a bittersweet moment where just moments prior he had saved him. So the 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 one who died goes, oh, I, I guess I got my award. Only for him to die and the other guy to kind of do the big saving for him to get the award in a way. It was kind of like you know, yeah, bittersweet. But uh, I don't know. I, I like that. I thought it was, a, it was a huge surprise. First of all, the plane falls out of the sky. <laughs> what in the world is going on? They don't even move out of the way. And then I thought it was over when the soldiers start coming in, which I don't know where they came from or how he didn't hear them. Uh, it ends up right. being his people, which helps out to the to the next degree. But I don't know. What do you guys think? I yeah, that scene <laughs> when it happened, and I think a big credit to it is the fact that. Uh, the trailers for this movie are cut like there's there's cuts so when it happens like i didn't expect it to happen because i didn't know the way the trailer was was made what what scenes happened where because i knew it's in one take so they never show uh dean charles like in other scenes with george mckay but i just thought they were like you don't think it yeah yeah, yeah, you're not thinking about it so when it does happen I was like, wait, is he actually dying? Because you know, in the buildup, he's like, he's like, nah, like I'm gonna try to yeah. save you. Um, but no, that the the way his face turns white was incredible. how he dies too. Remember? Yeah, um, he's trying to help the pilot, mm-hmm. and then yeah. the pilot stabs him. Very Saving Private Ryan, you know, towards that last act, thinking that you're gonna be okay, uh, trying to help somebody else, and then it yeah. turns to bite you. And I thought that was a yeah, and just the way that that yeah, different people perceive war. I think because. What you mentioned with the with the like reward that they get, um, they have a conversation earlier in the movie where uh, George McKay's character had already won. Uh, I forget what like a Purple Heart, I think it was for like, like, some, like a heroic act in in war. Um, and Dean Charles is like super hyped about it. He's like, "Yo, that must have been awesome! Like, congratulations!" <laughs> yeah. um, and then he's like, oh, "It was whatever." And then he's like, "What do you mean it was whatever?" He was like, "I don't have it anymore." He traded it in traded for it. wine, right? And yes. it's like for him. That's not something that he necessarily cares about. Like he's just trying to survive. And Dean Charles, like he wants that. Like, and when he Why? saves him from the mine, he's like, "Congrats, you're gonna get one." You got it. I yeah. love that. Uh, I, I I bought Dunkirk in 4K. I'm gonna rewatch it. I we have you know friends of the show. Chase loves that movie. Has told yeah. me to rewatch it. Love My it. biggest thing is as as uh, Zach had mentioned earlier, this isn't a movie where they really feel like blank faces. Mm-hmm. I love that you get to see one a relative, and I feel like you really do get to know them because the amount of time that you spend with them. Mm-hmm. Um, I get what they were going for in Dunkirk. I personally I like this because like you said. That character couldn't fathom selling it for wine. Why? Because it runs in his family. Even his brother was a general. Like so, to him, that was, he wanted to be like his brother, which is why it hurts so bad at the end when you see the brother not wanting to accept and closing the hands that his yeah. brother had passed because that's his little bro and that's yeah. his big brother he looked up to and he wanted to have an award just like he did. And I was like, all right, I I, I mess with this heavy. Yeah. Um, even towards the end, when well, Zach, you talk about that scene before we move on to something else. I mean, I was just going to say that it, it to me, is one of the standout sequences, not only te- technically, but emotionally. Just, I think you go through a lot in that scene, uh, and the way that it's able to... You have the twists and turns of it, where they, they're not sure whose plane it is if it's the english plane or the german plane and they immediately go into you know let's save this soldier mode and it, it the the way in which that scene uh is able to present the imminent danger and, and you know life or death situations that they're in i think is just so effective 
plus we talked about the way in which uh, that actor is able, the actor is able to get across uh, those final few moments. I was just really awed by it. Uh, so for me, that's the best sequence of the movie. I don't know about either best of you sequence? if you wow. thought that was the best sequence. If you thought that that <laughs> final stretch was the best sequence, yeah, um, I guess um, I'll chime in and say that hands down, my favorite moment is the the run. I guess you can call it. They show it in the trailer, but you it's don't the ha- standout shot. But you don't get they, the context of it. They literally yeah. say, "Ladies and gentlemen." <laughs> Is he going to do it? <laughs> yeah. And he does. And just because the way... And also this is, again, a, a big um, congrats to the production design. Um, but they really show you how... lots. Of, most people are familiar with World War II. Like, World War II gets made movie, like, every year. People know about World War II. But World War I, like, for the soldiers, the trench warfare is off. was, like, off. Disgusting, dude. The worst thing. In that buildup of him getting to getting to the location where he needs to be he has to like push his way through all these people right and then when he gets to the place and he's like no like you still have like five <laughs> like five yards to go yeah that he, way to go and then he looks up like at the warfare and the guy's like don't you there's do no it there's no way i'm gonna make it yeah he's like there's no way i'm gonna make it unless i run out in the open and then he goes and then all the bombs are going off and the blocking like the way he trips he trips over like twice but he <laughs> gets up and keep like there's no way that's like is that improvised? Like they have. That I don't know. What yeah. I was thinking, like, did he just run into that actor? Yeah. Uh-huh. Or that extra? Because that extra stayed down too. Yeah, he, that man was knocked out. Because at at a certain point, you can see a scene like that and be like, oh, that man just LeBron James flopped, right? But it worked. I thought it was yeah. kind of effective uh, doing that. I still think that that may be. I love it too. I think that's the scene that a lot of people are going to argue it's just showy for the case of being mm-hmm. showy. That's a big thing that I feel like a lot of people are going to be bringing up with it. I love the. There's a scene where he's got to cross the water. Oh, the water! And you're scene. like, how's he go across the water? And then yeah. you're like, wait, no, how the camera gonna get across? And the camera just starts floating over. And then you see the behind the scenes. And I'm a huge fan of the Raid Redemption, uh, mm. and the Raid, uh, the second one, uh, Burnendale. There's a scene in the Raid, whether it's a race or it's not a race, it's a car chase, and the cameraman is dressed as the chair in the car. So they pass him the they, the the camera is following the the motorcycle and then it goes inside the car which means that they pass it while you're coming from behind the car you go to the cameraman because he stresses <laughs> he stresses a chair so they pass the camera inside and the cameraman is a chair and yeah, he's holding the camera to capture it in there passes it to the other guy uh all of the behind the scenes for yeah. 1917 is that yeah uh they go from what like a steady cam to run in Passing it to a jeep, to a copter, to a drone, all these yeah. crazy things. Not it to is... mention all the like three sixty degree turns <sighs> they're doing at certain yeah. points. And it's wild. It's insane. It's, it's crazy. Yeah. And I guess one other thing I'll I'll put out put out here because is, this was like one of the the standout thing to me about this movie. Um, and I don't know if you guys like what you guys think of this, but that end quote of the movie um, actually brought me to like made me tear up. Um, because not, it's not it? the, it's not an end quote, but it's like the end, um, like the end text where Sam Mendes, where it's like Sam Mendes' grandfather fought in World War One, and told us all says, the stories. This is for you for the stories they told us. And there's two moments in the movie where people are telling stories. The first one is with uh, Dean Charles and George, and he's just telling him a story about like this guy who got his his ear bitten off by a rat. Um, but he kept telling people that, oh, it got, like, chopped off by, like, a German soldier or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then later, once after Dean Charles dies, 
and this other company comes in and picks up George. Right. And there's like some random soldiers, you know, talking about. They're driving in the back of that truck. Yeah. And they're talking just about this like random story. And it's like, that's what, you know, people live in stories and that's what keeps like kept these soldiers going. Um, and that's how like we will remember them. Like, you know, if Sam Mendes' grandfather never told him the story of this, then yeah. this movie would have never you been You don't made. get the legacy of telling World War stories. Yeah. yeah. Um, Same right. thing with Dunkirk. And I'm sure both of you gentlemen saw They Shall Not Grow Old. Yeah. Yeah. I saw a lot of the way that they, whatever bypass filter they put on it, really mm-hmm. made the faces look like those old photographs. Yeah. And I was like, wow. Now, granted, the, the ad, they, great casting with the actors to look that way. Mm-hmm. Um, but, dude, they put like some, like the, a grain on it. And they kind of, when you catch them at a certain point, was the same color and the same like textures that those old photographs had. And I was like, wow. Like the ending says, he was really trying to embody. You know, I don't know what pictures his grandpa showed him, mm-hmm. but that's what he was trying to mimic. A lot of that has been happening this year, from the Irishman doing the same thing of of, of mimicking the Rockefeller type uh, colors. Uh, Portrait did the same thing. Little Women did the same thing. Of literally, uh, one of your favorites, A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. Uh, Stop! The, you already know. Yeah, they shot with the same cameras and everything. So it's, dude. Oh man, I can't wait till we get to whatever else we have next year going on. But yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. What'd you think of? Um, I don't want to say the show, but the beginning and the end, ending on the same type of shot. Him sitting next to the tree and then it ending with him next to the tree. But of course, I at mean, the end. It, it, that, to me, was one of the biggest fl- Roger Deakins flexes of the whole movie, <laughs> to, to bookend it with that bit under the tree. I thought it's pr- just like a little beautiful note. That was yeah. dope, dude. Uh, I, and then and you realize again, he has a like, family. Uh, technically, you cannot fault this movie. It is a, it is an outstanding technical achievement. Artistically, yes. I might have some qual- some qualms with it, but what you got? What you got? Let's talk about that. Well, I mean, I, I think it's it's mostly what I've been talking about in that I didn't feel necessarily the urgency of the story, and okay. I I didn't feel immersed in it the the way that. Uh, other other films have made me feel you know i was in awe of it but i i do wonder sometimes if the the technical prowess of it almost took me out of it not just the the cleanness of the cinematography as i mentioned before but just the wondering like how did they do that aspect of it and i don't know if that's also because i have minimal i'm not trying to brag or anything experience being around cameras and stuff that i have a curiosity for it Uh but uh you know i i i didn't feel myself really in the narrative the way that i uh always wanted to as much as i was completely amazed by the end product so you would be more on the it was too showy for its own good Maybe, yeah. I mean, I'm not trying to fault the movie. No, 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 no. But I get what I you mean. Like, on the technical aspect, exactly. all the praise. Like, I enjoyed it. I think that's maybe, like, the difference between it being, like, a great movie and an amazing movie. Okay. I feel I can't. I can't argue with you. I for me, and that's in my my mind, yeah, my yeah, yeah. taste. So no, again, that's a perfect example. Like we were saying, we've been so used to stuff getting inside the camera. Marvel movies do that too. Mm-hmm. You know, shows do that. The Walking Dead killed the cameraman that one time. Like we're so used to the camera almost being a character within the thing. Look at Zack Snyder films. His camera moves with it. It zooms in like it's a person's eyeballs. This one, it really felt very godlike almost. So it's very. It, uh, it, interesting to hear that it didn't work for you that way uh i think for me if it wasn't for them killing him halfway through i would have been like 
There's no stakes here. Mm. Right, right. This man just jump on top of the trench and just gun it? <laughs> I don't know about that, you know? But, yeah, uh, yeah. I, I mean, I went in for it specifically for the aspect of um, how did they shoot this. And I was impressed for that. I agree with yeah. you. It's not my from favorite war. Finish. Yeah, it's not my favorite war story. If we're, if we're talking about it from like a uh, uh, an emotional story perspective, there was two scenes. Uh, it would have been the one where the brother died, mainly because towards the end, I really did like. Um, and I'm blanking on his name. What's our king's name? Our Stark, uh, who plays the brother at the uh, end. Richard Madden. Richard Madden. I, I really loved his piece. Like I keep saying, of him not wanting to accept the, that his brother had passed. Uh, that one. That one really hit for me. But for the rest of the movie, uh, in terms of like the most engaging war stories, technically, you got it. Emotionally, uh, it's probably not top 10 for me. So I feel yeah. you there. Let's talk a little bit about uh, some of those actors, though. The slew of uh, character actors, British actors, Colin Firth shows up, Mark Strong shows up. We just mentioned Richard Madden. And then the uh, the last one who we hinted at the earlier, Grinch. Benedict Cumberbatch. Fernando, did uh, you like these sort of cameos? Did they? Uh, did you have a favorite of them? A favorite performance? <laughs> uh, I did. I did enjoy them because I don't think they they took away from our main two guys at all. They were just like little little cameos, and um, they did bring that sense of like security when you found out who it was, and you're like, oh, okay. Yeah. Um, I like the Mark Strong one because that one wasn't in the trailer. Colin Firth and Benedict I knew were in the movie, but I actually think my favorite one was not the biggest actor but adam uh adam scott the Andrew Scott, scott yeah. from fleabag because uh, his character was so like his character was um like uh i forgot what rank he was but like he was put in charge because the lieutenant they yeah lieutenant um because uh the guy who was originally in charge died so he got put in charge and he was kind of <laughs> he was kind of done with everything he was like all right here's your flare you know go over if you die try to throw it back because <laughs> we need back. it <laughs> Like I was like, yo, this is great. I I really enjoyed his his like little little cameo. Yeah, I agree. yeah, and, and he definitely got across the like the disposition of most of the soldiers at mm-hmm. that point in the war, or the yeah. kind mm-hmm. of uh, war weary way in which they weren't gonna be very helpful. Yeah, yeah, agreed. Uh, Fernando, uh, sorry, uh, Art, did you have a favorite of the cameos of sort? I would agree because uh, later on when he does the flare. Mm-hmm. He just yeah. tosses it. I was like, right, yeah, he's probably got to be the best one. He was definitely the most memorable for me. Uh, but I, again, I agree. I liked the fact of having very well-known names uh, that gave you that kind of security every time he was hitting what I considered a checkpoint. Yeah, totally. There is the kind of like meta-ness of it where they're higher ranked and they kind of are like higher ranked in Hollywood mm-hmm. if you want to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. Hey, but yeah. these two are on the come up. Uh, the main guy, I, I had seen him in a couple of TIFF movies, so he's yeah. definitely got a bunch of stuff that's coming out. Yeah, um, George McKay, I think, yeah. is uh, he was showing in up. A, in, and and was sure in the, we'll see more of Gene Charles Chapman after this too. For sure. He was in The um, King as well. So he's just yeah, got he a thing for dying in things. So, you know, <laughs> hopefully he'll make it to the words the end, the ending of a movie eventually yeah. or a show. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, no, overall, I, I loved it. Yeah, George McKay was in uh, Captain Fantastic. That's what I've seen him in. That was your thing. Uh, I, I saw him. Uh, it was the Australian movie of uh, Kelly the, Gang. the G- Kelly Gang. Yeah. I am not a fan of that movie, <laughs> uh, but it does a great job of showcasing despicable people. So it was good to see him in a role the way he was a little bit better. Yeah. He was more of a hero. Um, but, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know if you had any final thoughts, Fernando, maybe? Yeah, uh, I'll say, because I don't think we touched on it, another scene I love um, and I need this version of the song was when he like gets to the 
the final one and they're like all in that circle and that one wayfaring stranger when the guy singing wayfaring stranger that song. and he just like sits down and like takes his first rest and god knows yeah. how many hours and he's just there and then and then when they finish he's like oh wait i still have my mission to do yeah <laughs> yeah and he's like where's uh d company or whatever and then he like he books it um but that song like i thought was like was very emotional for me it, it was a perfect little respite too from uh the tense moments because yeah. that that's some of the most fraught uh part of the film mm-hmm. when he's escaping there uh yeah I mean, yeah, the, the way the way in which it is able to weave through the, all these moments is pretty amazing. Yeah, and, uh, you know, I think anybody who is aspiring to be in film production uh, could take a note from this movie and watching just some of the ways in which uh, they go about stringing things together. Because we've talked about the cinematography, but I even think from a, from a writing aspect, or if you talk like we talked about before, the production aspect, you know, you've got to figure out. A movie is a series of puzzles to solve, mm-hmm. and this film solved all those puzzles in a really unique and interesting way. Yep. So it, it makes it well worth the watch for mm-hmm. for anybody, I, I would say. Agreed. So yeah, that's about all for this edition of Let Us Explain on Intercut. You can catch more from me, Zach Shevich, by going to Twitter, Instagram, or Letterbox and following at Zshevich, or check out my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash multiplex show. Fernando, where can people catch more from you? Yeah, uh, you can follow me on Twitter at border underscore logic, and also keep up with uh, the ATZ website, which is www.theatzshow.com for all your writing needs. All right, where can we find more from you? You can find me at The A to Z Show or Let Me Explain on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Or you can find me every week here on The Intercut Podcast. Yes, you can listen to every episode of The Intercut Podcast on iTunes, on SoundCloud, on Spotify, on your favorite podcatcher, I Like Overcast. And then make sure you're not just subscribed to the audio feed, but to the video feed as well on YouTube.com slash IntercutPod, where you can catch our bright, smiling faces as we break down the latest for all of you. Find new episodes of Intercut every Friday, as well as these sporadic Lettuce Explains. And please leave us a comment, like the videos, consider heading over to iTunes and leaving us a five-star review. It's been Two months since our last Apple podcast review. Fernando's beginning to think that you guys don't like him. So please Which is, make Fernando happy maybe. and leave us a five-star review. <laughs> maybe they're telling us something. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. I'll leave a five-star review for you, Fernando. Thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs> like our Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter pages. All of them are at Intercut Pod to get updates throughout the week from Art, from, from me, from Fernando, from all of our guests here on Intercut. Thanks again for tuning in, and until next time, hope is a dangerous thing.